Thanks for listening to the Summit Church Hazard podcast. We're in a series through the book of Revelation, and today we are in Revelation chapter 14, and we're going to look at the Lamb's army. So what is the Lamb's army? Let's dive in. And as you are opening that up, as you're, as you're turning that on, you know, this, uh, this coming Sunday uh, begins the Advent season in the church calendar. Uh, not just our church calendar, but like the Christian church, like all over the world calendar. And so Advent is the season of Christmas in the church. It lasts for the five Sundays leading up to the Sunday before Christmas. So this coming Sunday is the beginning of Advent. You say, what in the world are you talking about? I've never heard that word before. Advent is, is a word that means waiting. And so in the Old Testament, they were waiting for God to send the Messiah, Jesus. And so in Advent, we celebrate the first Christmas, how Jesus came, he was born. But then Advent is the reminder that we are still waiting. Jesus said that he's going to come back. And, and so, so Advent is a season of waiting. It, it's, it's five Sundays every year where we're reminded Jesus came once He's coming again. And so next week we will begin our Advent series going through, wait for it, the book of Revelation. Why? Because we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Let me, let me ask you a question. If you knew that Jesus was coming back this Tuesday at 2.30, how would that change the way that you live? I don't have a memo, by the way. I, I, I didn't get, like, secret info this week saying, hey, you should plan. But, but imagine that. Imagine if you did, like, the Spirit of God just, like, synced his calendar with your calendar. And this Tuesday at 2.30, boom, Jesus is coming back. How would you live differently? <laughs> would you live differently? Would you do anything at all different in the next day or so differently than you would, would, would already if you knew? Jesus is coming back Tuesday at 2.30. See, here's the thing. So, so when Jesus ascends back to heaven, he says, hey, listen, I'm going to come back the same way that you're seeing me leave right now. The only thing that Jesus told us is, I'm coming back. He didn't tell you when. He didn't tell you the day or the time. And so literally, every generation of Christians since the ascension, so for like thousands of years, for 2,000 years, every generation of Christians has believed they were the generation that would live to see the return of Jesus. Every single one of them. Most people believe that the apostles, so Paul, Peter, all of them, most people believe that they were absolutely convinced Jesus Christ would return before they died. And that's right. You should live that way. It's, oh my gosh, I can look at how gullible all these people are. No, that's not the point. He didn't tell you it was Tuesday at 2.30. All Jesus said was, listen, I'm coming back, get ready. That, that's all he said. And, and so every generation should live as if Jesus could come back Tuesday at 2.30. And, and so, so all, all Jesus has given us is two words. Get ready. And so next week, the, the uh, first Sunday of Advent, next week the book of Revelation, and, this, and this, this, we, we started when we did so that this would happen. 
Next week, the book of Revelation is going to take a turn. So beginning with next week, the return of Jesus gets closer and closer. So Advent, getting ready for the return of Jesus. You get a clearer picture of the return of Jesus beginning next week in the book of Revelation. Next week in Revelation is Revelation 15. It is the seven bowl judgment. And so if you've missed any of this series, you can go back and find it on our podcast. You know, you can watch the videos on YouTube, that sort of thing. It's easy to find. But so far, you've seen two cycles of judgment, seals and trumpets. It's the same series of judgments that's been happening past, present, and future. Same series of judgments, just looked at from different angles. But next week, with the seven bold judgments, it is the most intense series of judgments in Revelation. And and so next week, excuse me, is some of the most intense language in Revelation. But before you get to 15, 14 is God huddling up with the church. I mean, next week is so intense. Revelation 14 is, is literally, you need to take a breath first. And God is saying to the church in Revelation 14, you need to get ready. Before we dive into next week, you need to get ready. And so if you've got a Bible open on or whatever, you know, whatever, Revelation 14. Let's read the first couple of verses here. So Revelation 14, verse 1. Excuse me. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the Lord, before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Stop right there. So John brings in a number that we've already seen. All of a sudden, John brings in a number that we haven't seen in several chapters, but you've seen this if you've been in this series, 144,000. And what we said several weeks ago, the 144,000 represent the church, past, present, and future. So this is all of God's people. So John gets this vision, man. He sees Jesus on the throne, the Lamb, and he sees all of God's people throughout history before Jesus. So do not miss this summit. You are there. Amen? Amen? You are there. I would get a little bit more excited that I'm there, right? That you are going to be there. You are in this number. But watch this. John doesn't simply say, oh, look, I had a vision and there's Jesus in the church. No, John is saying something really specific about the church. John says, I see Jesus on the throne, but look at the next two verses, verses 4 and 5. These, the the church, 144,000, these are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths, they are blameless. Everything we just read in verses 4 and 5, John took that straight out of Deuteronomy 23. Everything in 4 and 5 is taken straight out of Deuteronomy 23. In Deuteronomy 23 is a description of the Israelite army. 
The Israelite army, and, and they are described as, as people who didn't defile themselves. Virgins, they've never lied. Here, here's the idea, here's the idea. The Israelite army was described as a group of people with intense focus on God and God's mission for their life. And so when John sees the church, John doesn't say, oh, look, there's the church. No, John says, listen, I see an army. I see an army before the Lamb. I see the Lamb's army. And so the image in Revelation 14 is that you and I, the church, we are the Lamb's army. And as Jesus' army, we need to have focused hearts and focused minds because Jesus is coming. That's the point. We need to have focused hearts and focused minds because Jesus is coming. Another way to say that is you need to get ready. You need to get ready. See, here's what I think God might want to do today. I think that God might want to motivate some of us, and then I think he might want to remind some of us. See, I think that God might want to motivate somebody this morning. I think that after these two years of pandemic, maybe somebody's tired. Maybe somebody that used to, you used to hang out with at church, they haven't been back and they're not coming back. Maybe they've quit church for one reason or another. And you're looking around, all of these people that you used to follow Jesus with, where are they? And you're wondering, should I keep following Jesus? And you need to be motivated that Jesus is worth it. Stick in the army. Stay focused on Jesus. But others of you need to be reminded. Because in the past 19, 20 months, almost two years, however long this has been, in the middle of all this, some of us need to be reminded of the mission we've been on. Past two years since this pandemic started, maybe you got distracted Maybe you forgot who you were in Christ. Maybe you forgot the mission that you're on. Somebody in here, you need to be reminded that you are in a war. I mean, just from the fact that we are the Lamb's army implies that I'm in a war, and I'm not in a war with another person. My enemy is not flesh and blood, Ephesians 6. Our enemy, we've been talking about it in Revelation, is the dragon, the beast, the false prophet. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil, Satan, and his army, these cosmic spiritual battles. We are in a war, and the enemy wants to do every single thing that he can to make you as ineffective as possible in the kingdom of God. The enemy is fine with you coming to church today, listening to me do this sermon, as long as you don't do anything different based on what we're about to say. Right? And you need to be reminded, you are in an army. And we have a mission. And the way that God does this is John has three visions of three angels. Each angel comes with Something that the church is supposed to do until Jesus comes back. All right? And so here's the first angel. Look at this. Verses, uh, verse, uh, starting in verse 6. Look at verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel <clears throat> to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. 
Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. And so here's this angel, and this angel is telling people the gospel. This angel is proclaiming to every, every tribe, nation, language, and people the gospel of Jesus. And so this first angel is bringing the land's army a message that until Jesus comes, the church is supposed to share and show the gospel. Until Jesus comes, the church of Jesus, you and I, we're supposed to share the gospel and show it in how we live. I mean, look at the angel's words here again. Look at it here. Fear God and give him glory. Watch this. Watch this next phrase. Because the hour of his judgment has come. Now, let's be real clear for a minute. When I say gospel, let's make sure we're all on the same page here. The gospel, what is that? The gospel is an announcement. The gospel is an announcement, not something that you and I do. The gospel is not a command for you and I to do better. The, the gospel is not a command for you and I to be nice. My biggest problem isn't that I wasn't nice and Jesus came to make me nice. My biggest problem was not that I was bad and Jesus came to make me good. My biggest problem was that I was dead and Jesus came to make me alive. That's my biggest problem. See, the gospel is an announcement. It's good news. That's literally what it means. The gospel is the news. It's an announcement that Jesus is a king bringing a kingdom and everyone is invited. See, Jesus is a king. We were made to live in Jesus' kingdom, under his lordship. Jesus is a good, loving king. But in Genesis 3, what humanity chose is we didn't want God to be king. We wanted to be our own kings. And from the moment we turned from God, sin entered the world. The world was broken. But God loved his creation too much to let us go. So the whole Old Testament is basically God running after people who seem to not want much to do with him. And then God sends Jesus. And Jesus, the first thing that he says in his ministry is the kingdom of God has come. Jesus heals the sick, raises the dead. He drives out demons because Jesus is bringing a kingdom where there is no death, disease, demonic, where all things are made new. And Jesus lives a sinless life, dies on the cross, comes back from the dead. Why? Because I need to be made new. Because you need to be made new. Because the whole, all of creation needs to be made new by Jesus. And so the gospel is an announcement that Jesus is a king. He's bringing a kingdom. And you are invited this morning. You are invited into that kingdom. Can I tell you this morning that you were made by God? You are loved by God. Everything that your heart longs for, I mean at the deepest level, identity, purpose, community, belonging, it is all in Jesus. Jesus says that he is the bread of life, and if you eat from him, you will never be hungry again. Is your soul hungry? I mean, do you just feel like you were made for more? And as much of the American dream as you get, man, it just never satisfies. That's because you weren't made for the American dream. You were made for Jesus. That's who you were made for. And Jesus loves you so much, he left heaven, died, came back to life, so that right here this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you can surrender to him. The gospel is the announcement that Jesus has done something for you. It is available to you if you receive it. But look at me. The time is coming when that door of opportunity to come to Jesus is going to close. 
That's what that angel means. The hour of his judgment has come. Look at me. Time is running out is what this angel means. There is urgency in the gospel here. There's urgency in this, this angel's message. Jesus wants everybody to get saved. Jesus wants everybody to come into the kingdom. But there's going to come a moment when the opportunity to come to Jesus runs out. Either when this life ends or when Jesus comes back. Did you know that? See, this is not popular. Look at me. The gospel is not everybody goes to heaven as long as you're sincere. The gospel is not, don't worry about it, everybody really does go to heaven when they die. That's not the gospel. We're going to see it in just a second. That is not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus is the way to life. You have an opportunity to come to him today, but that opportunity is going to run out. I'll come to Jesus later. Who told you you get a later? All you've got is this moment right now. And so listen, if you're here today, you're not a Christian. I am begging you to come to Jesus today. I promise you, he's a good king. He loves you. Everything you want is in him. But if you're a follower of Jesus, Summit, people need to hear this message. Amen? Have you Listen, a pandemic has not changed the mission. The mission is still go into the world, tell people about Jesus, make disciples. If Jesus, think about it this way, if Jesus is really the hope of the world, how unloving is it to keep Jesus to ourselves and not tell the world about him? How much do I have to not love you to not tell you about Jesus because I'm afraid you're going to make fun of me if I do? I'm afraid you're going to laugh at me if I do. Listen, people need to hear this message and not just from preachers. People need to hear this not just from, listen, your friends think preachers are weird, okay? And most preachers are, all right? There you go. That's free. People need to hear about Jesus from you. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story the world needs to hear. You have a testimony. You have a story of how Jesus has entered your life. You've got a story of how God answered your prayers. Somebody you know needs to hear it. You've got a story of how God moved when you didn't see a way. Somebody you know needs to hear it. The world needs to hear the gospel, but they also need to see it in your life. See it in the way that we live. When people look at your Facebook wall, can they tell that you belong to Jesus? Or is the only thing they see who you voted for last November? Right? Come on. Come on, listen, we're running out of time. We ain't got no time to waste, right? Jesus coming back, Tuesday, 2.30. Right? Until Jesus comes, we need to share the gospel and show it in our lives. But not just that, until Jesus comes, the next angel is going to show us that until Jesus comes, the church is called to holiness. Look at this next one, verse 8. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. Verse 11 is one of the most intense verses in the Bible. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. 
I'm going to save really digging into that verse for next week because it will match the bowls. All right? I'm going to comment on it, but I'm going to really save it for next week. Let's keep going. Verse 12. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. And so this second angel shows up and this second angel just has this message. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. Babylon's a city in the Old Testament. It was built on worshiping man, not God. It was basically the enemy of the Israelites. Daniel sees the beast, and Daniel 7 says that the beast is Babylon. Babylon has fallen by this point. But, but these seven churches, they're not thinking Babylon. We said it, we've already said it in this series. These seven churches are under Roman persecution. So when they hear Babylon, they think Rome. And so this angel is saying, Rome is going to fall. Rome is fallen. Here's the problem. Rome was at the height of its power when this happened. It, it didn't look like it was fallen at all. Rome looked like its best days were in front of it. So this angel looks like it didn't get the memo. But here's the point. The point of this angel is this. Listen, Rome and its ways, the days of Rome are numbered. You need to leave Babylon, he's saying to these churches. You need to leave Babylon and its ways because the ways of Babylon are numbered. The days of Babylon are numbered. Fallen is Babylon, so don't fall for it. Don't follow it. Think of how easy it would have been for these seven churches that Revelation is written to. They're being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. They're being killed for their faith in Jesus. Think of how easy it would have been to stop following Jesus and just make the ways of Rome your ways. I mean, we said it last week. They're not worshiping the emperor, so they've been cut off from the economy. They can't buy anything, sell anything. Think of how easy it would have been if they would have just said, you know what, forget following Jesus. Let's just worship the emperor like everybody else, and our lives will get better. And this angel is saying through John, listen, churches, Rome is fallen. The days of Rome are numbered. And if you follow Rome, what happens to Rome will happen to you. If you make the ways of Rome or the beast, if you make its ways your ways, you what happens to the beast will happen to you. So some, here's what this means. This means that you and I, we need to make the decision right now this morning. We need to make the decision to be single-minded with the kingdom of God because the days of this world and its ways are numbered. You and I, we need to make the decision right now this morning that we're going to be single-minded, focused, hearts and minds on Jesus, on his kingdom. Because the days of this world and its ways are numbered. I mean, did you see there that this angel says these people, they worship the beast. And he's talking to the church. How can you and I worship the beast? Showing up on Sunday, singing about Jesus, worshiping, about, worshiping Jesus. How can we worship the beast? Look at me. We worship the beast when the, this world and its ways have all of our hearts, have all of our hopes, has all of our imaginations, and we show up to the church on Sunday, but our lives are marked by worldliness. We are worshiping the beast when we show up on Sunday, but what we really believe is more money will solve all my problems. 
More money will save us. So we say Jesus with our lips, but our hearts show we really believe capitalism is the hope of the world. Money is the hope for my life and for my family. We worship the beast, watch this, when everything comes in front of Jesus and his kingdom. We worship the beast when we constantly fool ourselves into thinking that Jesus only saved us to go to heaven one day when we die. Until then, I'll see if I can fit him in. I might go to church unless something better comes around. I, oh, I, can't, I don't have any time for, the, for, for worshiping Jesus. And this world has our hearts. This world has our mind. Summit, would you listen to me for just a second? That is the mark of the beast. That is the mark of the beast. It's not going to need to be something that's implanted into me. It might be already on me because I'm so drowning in worldliness. I'm trying to fit Jesus into my life. And Jesus is saying to us, listen to me, the beast's days are numbered, y'all. The ways of this world, its days are numbered. And so what we need to be is we need to be a holy church. See, holiness doesn't mean that we're like perfect and we got all of our act together. Holiness means set apart. That's all it means. To be holy means that you're set apart. I love this verse, 1 Peter 3.15. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. And we need to do this every day. Doesn't mean you get saved every day, but every day, including this day right here, every single day, we need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. That Jesus, you are my Lord. I am in your army. I am a son or a daughter of God. That Jesus is the Lord of your money. Jesus is the Lord of your sexuality. Jesus is the Lord of your time. Jesus is the Lord of my life. The church until Jesus comes is called to be set apart. We belong to Jesus first. Amen? But the last thing that the church is called to do until Jesus comes is until Jesus comes, the church is to give love that bleeds. Look at 14 to 20. 14 to 20. I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called out in a loud voice who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the clouds swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven. He too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. And so what happens here is you get a vision. This last angel brings a vision of a harvest, and it is the same harvest told from two different angles. In the first part of it, 14 to 16, Jesus has a sickle. And Jesus does not have a sickle because he's the grim reaper. All right? That's not the point. Jesus doesn't have a sickle because he's the grim reaper. Jesus has a sickle in this vision because he is a farmer bringing in the harvest. I mean, think about all the times that Jesus would say things like, look at the fields they are ripe for harvest. 
And he's talking about people. He wants to see people saved. Jesus will tell stories about the kingdom of God. He'll say it's like a seed planted in the ground. Jesus will talk about the wheat and the tares. And so in this first image, Jesus is a farmer bringing the church home. Jesus is a farmer bringing the church home. He brings all of his people home. So the idea is that Rome can't take you away from Jesus. Satan can't take you away from Jesus. That struggle that you have that you seem to fight every day can't take you out of Jesus' hand. Nothing can take you out of Jesus' hand. We've said it before. Nobody halfway makes it into the kingdom of God. The shepherd will bring the sheep home. Amen? And that's the point. He is bringing all of his children home. But until then, you get another view of it. And then you get a vision of an angel who has a sickle. And in verse 18, it says that this angel takes the sickle, gathering clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because the grapes are ripe. That phrase, earth's vine, in that verse it is used six times in the Bible, and every time it means the people of God. Every time that phrase is used in the Bible, it means the people of God. Jesus always talked about the church, even like, like we're vines and branches. You know, Jesus in John 15 says, I am the vine. He is the vine, and we are the branches. So who are the grapes? We're the grapes. And did you notice that these grapes are trampled to death. These grapes are trampled in a wine press. And see, when you put grapes in the wine press, they are squeezed, they are crushed so that the wine will come out. And, the, and, and they're crushed so that in verse 20, the blood that flows out of these grapes is given this symbolic image of just deep blood that flows for miles and miles. Whose blood is it? It's our blood. It's the blood of the church. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to see Babylon for all that she is in Revelation 17. And in Revelation 17, it says that Babylon was drunk on the blood of the saints. See, when you look at Jesus, Pilate and the Pharisees and Satan thought they were victorious. Jesus is on the cross, and they thought that they were victorious because Jesus was dying. But really what was going on is Jesus is dying, and their defeat is wrapped up in what looked like it defeated Jesus. Jesus is victorious as his blood is being poured out. So when you look at Jesus, what you see is love that bleeds. Jesus bled, poured his, poured his blood out for the sin of the world because he loves the world. And Jesus says, listen, a servant is not above his teacher. Summit, if the world hated Jesus, they will hate you. If the world persecuted Jesus, they will persecute us. Here these Christians were. Rome was breathing down their neck. They were persecuting these Christians. And Rome thought that they were victorious over the church. But here's what they didn't know. They didn't know that the whole time that Rome was killing these Christians, these Christians kept loving Rome, serving Rome. People were leaving the kingdom of Rome, coming into the kingdom of God, because they saw these Christians would not walk away from Jesus no matter what. And that is exactly exactly why history records that it was the kingdom of God that overcame the kingdom of Rome. 
And it happened through the blood, through the suffering, through the love, through the sacrifice of the church. And so when the world looks at the church, when the world looks at you and I, they should see love that bleeds. I love what Brett Davis says. He says this, we, we join Jesus in becoming bread broken and wine poured out for the life of the world. Listen to me. The Lamb's army does not use power and force the way that other armies do. The Lamb's army loves their neighbors even if it costs us. The Lamb's army empties themselves so that we can put others before us because that is what Jesus has done for us. I heard somebody say it this week and I want to say it to our church. Listen to me. Jesus promises your security, but he does not promise your safety. And if we are going to share and show the gospel, then we need to die to what other people think about us. If we are really going to want love and serve Hazard in eastern Kentucky, we want to see the church thrive and grow. If we really want to see the kingdom of God come into Hazard, then it's going to come at the cost of the church. It's going to cost you time to see the world transformed for Jesus. Amen? It's going to cost you, you're, you're going to be inconvenienced. Some of us, we might get falsely accused even though we didn't do it because the world doesn't like our Savior. Some of us, we might get passed over a promotion. Some of us, we may literally bleed for our faith. And Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow me. I'm worth it. Follow me. If we are serious about seeing this world reached for Jesus... The only way is in the church giving love that bleeds. Because that is who we're following. So here's the question and we're done. We're done right here. This whole, this whole chapter has one question. Whose side are you on? Are you on the side of the beast or the side of the lamb? Some, listen to me. The lamb bled for you. The lamb loves you. The lamb died for you. The lamb is inviting you to life. And the beast is always telling you, no, 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 no. My way is better. My way is easier. The way of the world is how you fit in. You climb your way to the top no matter what. Jesus just saved you to get to heaven. Make the way of the world your way and try to fit Jesus in. Look at me. The days of the way of the world are numbered. Fallen is that way that would build its life on anything other than Jesus. Revelation will tell us one day the kingdoms of this world will give way to the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Jesus is coming, hello? Jesus is coming, amen? I'm going to keep going until you're with me, 930. Jesus is coming, amen? And so you need to get ready. You need to get ready. Whose side are you on? So maybe today you need to be motivated. You need to be motivated to pray for your lost family. You're going to be with them this Thanksgiving. You're going to be with that uncle that gets on your ever-loving last nerve. And you're saying, oh, Mark, make no mistake about it. I'm praying for him. I'm not praying. I'm not talking about that. I'm not telling you to pray that God would get them. I'm telling you to pray that God would bless them with the kingdom transforming their life. 
And it might come through you not winning that argument. And it might come through you not making that point. But it might come through you looking like a lamb that was slain. And through you dying in that little way, life comes. Maybe you need to be reminded, this is the mission. This, this is the mission. This is it. We're not, we're not waiting to go to heaven. <laughs> the kingdom is coming to earth. And until then, we have a mission. So let's set ourselves apart for the Lord. We belong to Jesus. We are in his army. And until the kingdom comes, we will share and show the gospel through love that bleeds. Would you pray with me this morning? And as we're going to prayer, maybe the most helpful thing that we could do is if you're a follower of Jesus, to get into your mind somebody that you know that does not know Jesus. It might be a family member you're going to see this week or in the holidays. It might be somebody you go to school with or work with. I don't know who it is. Or, or it may be no one. Because all of your friends are saved. And you need to start praying that God would bring people who need him into your life. But as you can just see that face, that person, that image. Would you just pray that God would remind you, you are in his army. And this army doesn't use force. This army doesn't push its way around. This this army sacrifices because Jesus was sacrificed. This army loves because Jesus loves. This army puts others before itself. We, we are not of this world. And the way of the world has fallen. Why would we want to be of its ways? Its days are numbered. And so maybe today, maybe today you need to literally come up front and just big, begin to beg God to save your family. Save your husband, save your kids, save your, your mom or your dad your boss, your coworker. Maybe today you need to come up front and, and, and say, God, remind me I'm on a mission. Maybe today you need to literally come up front and, and make a declaration between you and the Lord. Jesus, I am recommitting myself to you. I am in your army. I don't know what you need to do today or where you are, but I'm going to come down front. These altars are open. And I just want to give us a time of prayer. If you need prayer, I want to invite you to come. I'd love to pray with you. You, need, you just need some encouragement this morning. I want to love to come up front. You pray, I'll, I'll pray with you. Just speak life over you. Or you just need to come up front and just get on this altar. And maybe you need to begin today praying for the salvation of somebody you know and love. But just in this moment, let's just give God some space. Let's give God room to remind us we belong to his army. We're his sons and his daughters. And so, Jesus, right now, I pray that, God, as we're in this moment of response, right here, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I pray that our hearts are bowed. I pray that our hearts are open. Jesus, maybe there's somebody here, they need to be reminded, they've forgotten over the past two years, we are in your army. We're not just trying to make it through. We have overcome. And we have a mission. Maybe somebody in here today needs to be motivated. Motivated to keep following. Motivated to get back in the Word of God. Motivated to get back on our knees, crying out in prayer for the salvation of our city. Motivated to turn from sin to you. I don't know what it is, but we are in the Lamb's army. 
And so, Spirit of God, just have your way in this place today. If you need to come up front for prayer, you come. I want to invite you to come. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Anything at all we can pray for, you come this morning. Just surrender your heart to the Lord. Let's give God space this morning. So we are in the book of Revelation for several reasons, but one of which is we just need to be reminded who we are, who we are in Christ. Not only are we the sons and daughters of God, but as the church, we're the Lamb's army. And the Lamb's army is to follow Jesus. Where did Jesus go? He went into the world to bleed for the world, to love and serve the world, to give himself, empty himself for the world. And Summit, listen, we're called to the same thing. We're called to give the world hazard, Eastern Kentucky love that bleeds, to share and to show the gospel. We're set apart for holiness and to put others before ourselves, even if it costs us. So here we are, Thanksgiving week. And who are people in this season as we move deep into the holidays? Who are people in this season that God uh, might have brought into your path so that you can serve them, love them, uh, maybe be inconvenienced for them so that the kingdom can come through your life and that they would see it and that they would give praise to God? What is it, Summit? Listen, let's, let's not go through the book of Revelation talk about it, study it, let's live it. Revelation 1, blessed is the people who hear this word and do it. Let's live it out. We are the Lamb's army. This week, let's go and love and serve and give of ourselves in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Every week we share our sermons here, but if you live here in Hazard or Eastern Kentucky, you're not a part of a church, we'd love for you to join us in person, 930, 11 o'clock. If you've been blessed by this ministry, I want to invite you to give. The giving link is in the show notes as well as all of the ways you can connect with us online. Thanks for listening.